just seeing how God is moving through this church is, is an awesome blessing, and being back here is an amazing blessing. I don't know if a lot of you know, but before, before like, all the redo, all the pretty stuff got in here, this, this church was kind of a mess. It was a wreck. Like, there was a lot of um, pink, like traditional mauves, I think is the color, you know, and greens and like, you know, all those different colors. And there was the a disgusting color of carpet on the ground. Um, but we got to tear that up. And, and if, if ever anybody gets to tear this up again, I don't know if anybody remembers, but we wrote down names um, of people that we wanted to see on the, on the ground under here on top of all the old glue and stuff like that. So if I mean, if there's ever a redo or a tile gets put in or whatever, I don't know if you put tile in church, but, you know, um, if you ever get to see that, you get to see names, and um, I don't know, maybe one of your names is, is written on the floor underneath this carpet. It's just a really cool thing that we, we were able to do um, and just see God do, um, but sadly and gladly, God called Casey and I um, to a church in Snellville, Georgia. Snellville. Anybody heard of Snellville? No. I'm shocked. Um, Stone Mountain. Anybody heard of Stone Mountain? Okay, so right outside of Stone Mountain, um, which I don't even know where it stops being Snellville and starts being Stone Mountain, um, but right outside of Stone Mountain is a little town called Snellville, and um, God called us to a church up there um, to be a pastor of families and students, um, and God has done an amazing thing um, in mine and Casey's life. Um, I went up there expecting, you know, to be an advocate of change and to, you know, go to this old traditional Southern Baptist church and be like, oh, things are going to be like Fathom, you know, uh, we're going to change things. And, you know, that just doesn't happen. But um, God has done an amazing thing, I think, in, in, in my heart. And I think I've been impacted more than I've impacted others. Um, but it's been an awesome, awesome testament of us going up there. But we miss you guys. We miss the church here. It's awesome being back, all that to say. Um, but one of the core values of Fathom Church is um, service. Um, they have a lot of different core values. And, and Kyle called me and said, you know, whatever you want to do, he said, I don't care what you talk about, you know, do whatever God um, lays on your heart and just say, serve, you know, and that'll be sufficient enough. Um, he said, just talk about anything. But um, I wanted to stay true to the series that you guys are on, on this Welcome Home series, and um, wanted to stick to the core values of, of service. And um, this message or, you know, this talk that we're going to be talking about today is entitled, Why We Serve. Um, and I think, I think answering the question of why um, gives us purpose, and it gives us a reason, Right? Like, if you ask why, you have to have a reason, right? Anybody says, why do you do that? You have to give a reason. So I think to answer the question, why we serve, will give us reason and purpose. And I think people rally behind a purpose more than they do just a what, right? Like, if you have a purpose, people can rally behind a why and not just, like, an answer for, for no reason. And so I wanted to talk about why we serve. Why is it that, that Christians serve? And, and this idea of why... Um, it, like, I had a friend growing up in middle school that I met, and my, my family growing up, we were, you know, my dad was a worship pastor my whole life, my mom was a children's pastor for the past, like, 20-something years, and, um, you know, I, I grew up in church, and the question why never came up for me. It was just kind of like, it was taught is what it was. And so I met this kid, we moved to um, St. Petersburg, Florida, and this kid in our neighborhood, uh, we were like climbing trees, you know, met out in the neighborhood. Um, and I invited him to church. And what he always asked frustrated the mess out of me 
was why. You know, I'd, I'd bring him to church. Oh, why do you close your eyes when you pray? I'm like, that's what you do, you know? Oh, why do you, you know, like the first time we prayed, it was so sweet because he had never been to church before. He just like, you know, like this is what he, you know, he just prayed, you know, and I was like, I was like, oh, Wes, you don't have to do that, you know? He's like, oh, well, why? That's what I see. You know, he always asks the question, why? Oh, why do you guys stand up whenever you sing? Why do you do this? Why do you do that in church? And I was just like, to me, it's just like, oh, it's just what you do. Stop asking why, you know? And I would get so frustrated. Um, but, you know, like growing up from middle school, you start to ask those questions. Like, why do we do this? Like, what's the, what's the purpose behind it? Why do we do it? And I wanted to sit on um, why today. Why do, why do we serve? Um, why is that a core value of Fathom? Like, what's, what's the point? And so I wanted to look at that for a little bit today. And um, hopefully by finding your why, you get to see your purpose and your reason and why we serve. Is that cool? Okay, good. Um, before we get started, let me pray real quick. Um, Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to, to be in your house, um, to be able to come and freely worship you. Um, God, I'm humbled that you use um, a broken sinner like myself um, to speak your word, um, but it's not anything, any gift set or anything that I have, but it's all by your divine grace that I'm even here, and um, I thank you for that. Father God, I pray that you open the eyes and the ears of uh, my brothers and sisters that are in this room today. Um, I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive a word from you. Um, God, I pray that nothing that I have to say today be of my own um, opinion, but be all about you. God, put words in my mouth. Let me not put words in your mouth. Um, I thank you for everybody that's in this room. Um, they're here for a reason. I don't know that reason, but you do, and I just pray that... Um, um, your Holy Spirit, move in this place. In your holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Southern Baptist Church, we say amen. I'm, I got amen. Got to get that draw on it. Um, sorry. Yeah, so if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to start from verse 16 and go through verse 23. We might have it on the screen. We may not. Oh, we do. Yay. Is that small? Um, but this is, the, this is the passage of Scripture that we're in. And a little background to what's going on. Um, uh, the Apostle Paul um, is writing to the church of Corinth. And what he's doing in this setting is that we have a lot of liberties. He's telling us that we have a lot of liberties in the gospel. Um, as Christians, as believers in Jesus, we have a lot of liberties in the gospel. Um, like, as, as preachers, like, you're, like, the Bible, like, directs the congregation to, you know, support your pastor, however, whatever means that might be. Um, we can, you know, because we have freedom and grace in Jesus, we're allowed to eat certain things, and um, we're allowed to, you know, we have liberties and things. We're not, you know, held down to a religious law because we have freedom in Jesus. And so Paul is kind of dealing with this because, you know, since Jesus came on the scene, there's a lot of different um, things like they used to live by the law, all these rules and regulations. Jesus came on and he's like, listen, you're set free um, from all these things. And so, so the people of that time, they're like kind of struggling with this. And so Paul goes through this whole dissertation before we get up to this verse, just saying like, listen, I have, I have the liberty, um, like I'm allowed to accept money from you in the gospel, like I, to support. But he says like, I, I decide not to like, I'm deciding not to so that I don't set any obstacle between me and you. Like, I don't want your support to me 
to deter you from the gospel of Jesus. He's saying, like, I want to take all obstacles out of the way, even though I'm allowed to, like, scripturally, I'm allowed to accept money for support. Um, like, I'm allowed to do that, but I'm not, I'm not going to because I don't want you to be um, prohibited from, from the gospel, right? We get that. And so we're leading up into that. Um, but Paul, in this message, gives us a resounding why, a resounding why he does these things. And um, I think it's very, very amazing to see what his motivation is behind the things that he do, that, that he do, <laughs> the things that he do, the things that he does. Um, but we all have like a, a sphere of influence in our lives, right? We all have a sphere of influence. There's a circle of influence that God has blessed each and every one of us um, as believers. Even if you're not a believer in Jesus, like you still have a sphere of influence. Um, what that looks like is people around you, people that you encounter um, each and every day, weekly, monthly, annually, whatever it is, but you have a sphere of influence. Um, that can be like your family, your, your mom and dad. Um, if you're married, your spouse. Um, if you're married and kids, your, your, your wife. Um, and children, if you're a husband, you know how that goes. But um, then you have outside of like your family, then you have your, your coworkers. This is a sphere of influence that you have that God is, I think God places us in um, for us to be able to influence. And so we have a sphere of influence in our work, right? We have our immediate coworkers, um, those that, you know, our colleagues. We have our managers. Um, if you're a manager, people that work underneath you. Um, and then, um, you know, we, we all have just different areas, of our neighbors, the people that live around us, they're people that we come in contact that we are able to influence. And so I, and, and we all have, I think as believers, we all have this like yearning to want to help, you know, like we want to help, not even just believers, like everybody, I think we have this in us that we, we want to help. Like, whenever we see somebody in need, we want to help, but we want to figure out why we want to help, right? Like, what is that that drives us? What's the purpose um, behind why we want to serve or why we want to help people out? But we do, each and every one of us, have a sphere of influence. And so, in, um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, Paul starts talking about um, all the people that he wants to be able to influence by decision, by choice. He's going to influence people, and he's going to give us a resounding why in it. So, let's look at Scripture in verse 16. It says, For I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. It says, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this on my own will, I have a reward. So, if this is his own, if this is his own decision, like if this is his own doing, then he gets a reward. Um, but if I... But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a stewardship. So does anybody know what a steward is? Not a stewardess, but a steward. Um, a steward is somebody that manages somebody else's belongings or property. And so, like, when you're a good steward, like, like somebody um, entrusts you with their finances. Like, here, here's my money. You need to, and I want you to invest in it. Um, you would be a steward. Like, this is somebody else's property, and I'm responsible for not losing this money, but making more money off of it. So that would be a steward. Like, if um, you're house-sitting, you're a good steward of that person's house. Okay, so Paul is saying that I've been given a responsi responsibility of stewardship of the gospel. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is Paul, like, Paul's responsibility to share, right? So it's not his story, but God has entrusted Paul and everybody that is a believer, with the stewardship of the gospel to share the gospel. Like, it's our responsibility. It's not our property. It's God's that he has given us to share, right? We get that? Everybody cool? Okay, so he's saying, I'm a steward. 
um, with stewardship. So verse 18 says, What then is my reward that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge? So that not um, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Okay, since I butchered reading that, let me try that again. Okay, so verse eighteen. When then is what then is my reward that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. So what he's saying, what his reward, what his reward is, is actually being able to be a steward of the gospel. He's saying like like if. It, if I didn't have anything, if my own reward would be being a part of sharing the gospel. Like, that's reward enough to me, is what Paul is saying there. Um, so, verse 19, this is where we get into our service mode, um, into the area of service. This is verse 19, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Okay. Circle, that I, may, that I might win more of them. It says, to the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. You can circle win the Jews if you've got a Bible and a pen. So to those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I may win those under the law. It's a lot of law, but I may win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Okay, there's one, one kind of um, repeating theme in this, ver- in this chapter, in this passage, is that I might win some that I might win some of these. Paul's, Paul's making a point. He's making it clear. Listen, I've got a responsibility. I'm a steward of the gospel. God has given me a responsibility to share the gospel. And so what I'm going to do, like, I have a right in the gospel to, to, I have freedoms in the gospel to, you know, receive finances from you, but I'm going to make myself a servant to you rather than receive money from you so that I might win some. That I might win some. I don't know if anybody has ever heard of a winsome attitude, but this is this is where it comes from. It's from Paul saying that he's saying that like I'm going to make myself a servant so that I can tell other people about Jesus, so that I can win some to Jesus. So I'm going to make myself a servant so that I might win some. Is what Paul Paul's why is so that other people can come into a relationship with Jesus. That's his only why. So that he can win people to Jesus, so he can tell other people about Jesus, so they can come into a relationship with Jesus. And I think as followers of Jesus, this should be our why. Like, this should be our only intention when serving. Like, this is, this is our big, why do we serve? It's so that we can tell other people about Jesus, so that we can win some. So that we can win some. So our purpose and our reason is to tell other people about Jesus when we serve. Now our culture, like this day, there's like this whole like social gospel that's kind of, um, kind of like grown out like grassroots and just kind of taken off. The social gospel is um, like all these different non-for-profits have gotten really popular and they start, you know, and what they do is they provide for the physical needs of other people. 
And these are awesome, awesome non-for-profit agencies. Like, it's great. Like, that's, that's what you need to do. And I'm not knocking any of these. Um, but we've kind of gone in our culture, like, we've swung the pendulum really far left to where it's like, all right, we've, we've done this push to where all we do is serve and serve and serve, but we never tell other people about Jesus. But we never tell other people about Jesus. And, and as Christians, like, we're responsible to serve. In Matthew chapter 25, there's, there's a whole passage that Jesus talks about. He's going to come back one day. If you don't know, Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to separate those that believe and those don't believe. It says the sheeps and the goats in this passage. He says, on my left hand and on my right hand. On the right hand are going to people that, um, he said, whenever you saw me, this is Jesus talking, you saw me and I was a stranger, you invited me in. Whenever I was hungry, you fed me. Whenever um, I was naked, you clothed me. Whenever, you know, this and that, you did for me and then the people will say lord lord when did we see you and do this and then jesus says when you did for the least of these my brothers and sisters you did unto me so that's what jesus is talking about whenever we serve whenever we serve it's as if we are serving jesus jesus is like okay when you serve whenever you give to other people whenever you take care of other people when you invite other people in it's as if you're doing it for me that's what jesus is saying so our responsibility as christians is to do this right but Jesus never intended for you to just serve without telling other people about Jesus. Yes, yes, our responsibility is to serve because it's as if we are serving Jesus. When we look at somebody in need, it's like, man, I see Jesus. I want to help as if I'm helping Jesus. But, he's, but he wants you to tell them about Jesus. See, the culture has swung the pendulum far left to where all it is to serve. I think it used to be like back in the evangelism days, all it was was, you know, get people saved. You know, it's just like, let's tell them about Jesus, give them a sale, give them a track, pray the prayer, you're done, and then walk away. And there was no service there. Like, they didn't care about the physical needs. And so, before we've had this whole culture swing, it was to the right, where it was just, all we did was tell people about Jesus, we closed the deal, they're Christians, let's walk on to the next, you know, knock on the next door. And now it's swung, people were like, you know, that's not what Christianity is. They swung all the way to the other direction. They're like, okay, all I want to do is help other people, I want to fulfill their needs, that's it. But then I never tell them about Jesus. And so the, the problem is, is that there's a middle line that we need to walk in as believers, and it's a both-and, it's not an either-or. Like service is a both-and, not an either-or. It's not just providing for somebody's physical needs, and it's not just telling somebody about Jesus. What I think the middle line is is discipleship. It's really investing in other people, like feeling their needs, feeling their hurts, and telling them about Jesus. The Fathom's mission statement is to all authority on heaven and earth is given unto me to go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to baptize and, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, that's, that's Fathom's, like, heartbeat, and I think that's, that's perfect because that's what Jesus wants is discipleship in his church, not just service, not just a one-time sale, pray the prayer you're done, but he wants you to serve both and, to both and, not either or to serve and tell other people about Jesus. Like, that's, that's what being a disciple is about. And that's Paul's why. That's Paul's why. He wants people to come into a relationship with Jesus. Because we have these big organizations, but what good do they do if all they do is fulfill the physical needs of people? What is that telling them? It's telling them that, you know what, I don't care about your spiritual need because all that you really need is shoes on your feet. I love Tom's. I'm not knocking Tom's at all. But without Jesus, they have comfortable feet and, you know, broken souls. 
We have food ministries that, you know, we go feed the homeless and never tell them about Jesus. They have filled bellies, but they have empty hearts. It's a both and. And, as, and some people translate the um, Matthew chapter 28, the go make disciples, as, as as you are going, just assuming that we are going to serve. So as you serve, you are to make disciples. But we can't, we can't as Christians just walk around and fulfilling like needs of people, physical needs, because it's like, you know what? You'll be better off if you just fix this area of your life physically. It's like, okay, if we, we'll build a house, we'll put you in a house, um, you know, because you're homeless and you need that, and then walk away. It's like, oh, okay, but I've still got so many problems, and I feel, still feel empty, you know, like, what, it, what good does that do? I mean, it does a lot of good for them physically, but that's basically saying that, hey, um, material things in this world are your God, and they're going to fix everything. And how many of us as Christians know that that's not true? I've tried so many different things in my life, like materially, materialistically, to fulfill all these needs, and, and everything leaves empty except for my relationship with Jesus. Like, he is the only one that really satisfies. But by having, like, social um, justice or the social gospel saying that these things that we give are going to satisfy when that's really not true, right? So it's a both and, it's not an either or. What we do is we serve so that people can come into a loving relationship with Jesus. We have to tell them about Jesus. Listen, man, I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm serving you. I want to I give you some food, but I got to tell you something that's going to fulfill even more than that, and that's your relationship with Jesus. Like, there's so many other things that, that, that help with our relationship with Jesus that just physical things can't fulfill, right? And it's our responsibility as Christians to be stewards of the gospel and share the gospel. What if Jesus, think about, think about it like this, like, what if Jesus came onto the scene? He came onto the scene and he said, um, um, you know, I'm going to do some miracles, so I'm going to turn the water into wine, um, make the blind see, I'm going to feed the 5,000. I'm going to do all these great miracles. I'm going to be a really, really nice guy. And then what if he just kind of one day faded off the scene? It's like, just, just died in his old age. That was it, like his whole purpose. Do you think we'd be here today talking about Jesus? If the, like, or it would just be like another great prophet that did some miracles? But no, Jesus came on the scene. He's like, listen, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to give the blind sight. I'm going to make the, the lame walk. I'm going to turn the water into wine. I'm going to calm the seas. And all the while, I'm going to say, repent from your sins and follow me. And you say, follow me. If he just came and just healed a bunch of people, it would have all been in vain, right? Because what Jesus did when he came and died on the cross, he made, it able, he made us able to have a right relationship with God. If he didn't die and pay that final sacrifice, then we wouldn't be able to have a relationship with God. It would have all been pointless. That's cool. Like, yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if people that we help fulfill their physical needs, if they want, like, okay, um, on to the next church that's going to feed us. All right, on to the next Christian that's got their, their good Christian to-do list. Oh, I served. You know? And we wonder why so many people, like, are out there that are hurting and starving that just take advantage of the system. 
She says, all they do is they just like, all right, that's what Christians are there for. They just give and give and give and give. But, you know, but where's, where's the gospel in that? Yes, that is our responsibility to do that. But it's also our responsibility to tell other people about Jesus because he is the only thing that will ultimately satisfy. Nothing else on this earth will satisfy. And by, by providing for people's physical needs and leaving them with that, it says that this is what's going to satisfy you. And it leaves them empty. And so Paul's saying, like, I'm going to make myself a servant. This is why, so that I might win some. He's going to humble himself to, to do whatever it is, to take any obstacles out of the way, so that he might win some to Jesus. And he goes through a whole list. Like the Jew, I became like a Jew. To the poor, to the weak, I came like the weak. Like those that followed the law, I became like those that followed the law. So that I might win some. So that after each one, so that I might win some. That is the purpose in which we as Christians serve. That's our why. And so if you have, if you think about you yourself, like your area of influence, what we talked about before, your sphere of influence, like what about your coworkers? You see them around like, man, everybody knows that you're a nice guy, like you're, you're responsible with what you do, um, you're ethical in your work, you know, you work hard, but do they know that it's all because of Jesus? I think God has placed us in, in specific areas in life to make an impact for the gospel, and that's really it. Like, if you think about our purpose as Christians in this world, like, what is it? It's to bring glory to God, to go and make disciples of all nations. Solomon in the Old Testament says that like, if you don't know anything about him, he was one of the richest men that ever lived, right? He had, um, he had all this wealth, he had all this real estate, he had all these wives, he had all of, like, everything you could ever imagine. And he says that it's all vanity, it's all worthless. If I didn't have a relationship with God... Like, everything in this life is worthless. I don't know if you know that, but nothing satisfies it apart from your relationship with Jesus. You can try, you can strive to be successful in your work, you can try and strive to be a successful um, parent. I mean, these, all these things are good, and you do it unto the glory of God. And that's the reason why, because we do it all for the glory of God, and no other reason. Like, everything in this life is worthless apart from our relationship with Jesus, and we need, as Christians, to be sharing that. I think the church in America might be declining in a way because we have silent Christians that have clinged on to the social gospel because honestly, it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier to not get into the mess and get into you know, the lives of other people and tell them about Jesus. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of this, that, and the other, right? But if the church of America, if we would rise up and start using our God-given voices to start telling other people about Jesus, I think you could see an explosive 
growth in the church of America. I think God set it up this way. But what about you? Benai, if you want to do the, where are you at? Is he in here? Oh, yeah, yeah if you want to start strumming. Um, but what about you? I mean, what, why don't you all take just a minute and just think, like, what is the sphere of influence that I have? And try to identify people in your lives that, that you know don't have a relationship with Jesus. What is your sphere, like, at work, your family, your neighbors, how well do you know your neighbors? But is it enough? Is it enough to just be like, oh, listen, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to give you something, you know, I want to be a nice guy, without telling somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Could you imagine? Could you imagine if every person in this room, like, if they answered the reason why with, so I can win some? If our motivation was to see other people come into relationship with the creator of the universe. Could you imagine the impact that you can make on the community of Jacksonville? Think even on a smaller scale. Think about what Jesus did for you, right? Think about how he saved you. Now, by us not telling somebody else about it, it's leaving them empty. Like, people are searching all around for answers, and they want answers, and we hold the answer. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This culture of universalism that's like, okay, any religion, whatever, everybody's got a part of the right answer. Like, it's not. Jesus is the way, the truth, and only he will satisfy We have to look at the people around us with a winsome attitude. If you grew up in church like, like I did, I was jaded for a really long time. I was j- like, everything was about, man, you got to win, you got to win people, you got to win people, you got to win people. My dad was like a soul winner. You guys heard of them? A soul winner. And, and he, I mean, I'm not judging my dad because his heart, he wants to see people come to Jesus. Like, but I was, I was jaded from it, and I was just like, you know, I just want to serve people. I'm good at serving. Like, but I never told anybody about Jesus. I spent a life where I never told anybody about Jesus. And I missed out on so many great opportunities. But you have people in your life that need to hear about the truth. Like, well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. In Proverbs, the Bible says that the fear of man is a snare, which means a trap. But trusting in the Lord is safety, which can also mean trusting in the Lord is freedom. The fear of man is a trap. It's a snare. Being afraid of them, you'll never be able to get out because they'll always have you. And you're like, I'm afraid to tell people. I'm afraid of conflict. I'm afraid of what they might say. But trust in the Lord, and there's freedom. You don't have to be afraid. That's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that he could be our comforter, so he can be our guide. We don't have to be afraid. We have to create a relationship with the creator of the universe. What's there to be afraid of? But we got to speak up. 
We've got to see this broken world that tries to be satisfied in everything but Jesus, be satisfied in the only thing that can satisfy, and that is Jesus. We can make such a difference. Make such a difference in our community, in our city. We just open our mouths. Personal testimony is probably one of the most effective ways to, to, to tell somebody about Jesus. How he changed your life, how you were walking in certain sin or you were dead. You found Jesus and you were given life. You were given hope. Not everything changed right away, I understand. But now you have hope. And learning more and more each and every day how to be more and more like Jesus. That's how you start. So with your own personal testimony. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be um, all about doctrine and know the Bible front to back. You just got to know what Jesus did for you. And if you're in this place, I think it would, I think it would be a missing opportunity. If you're in this place and you have not placed your faith in Jesus, if you have not made God the Lord and Savior of Savior over your life and said, listen, I've tried to satisfy myself with everything in this world, and I'm just not satisfied. If you're in that place, like if you just can't find peace, if you can't find, find comfort, I just, my, my prayer today is that you just surrender everything to Jesus. Not everything's going to get easier. It's not like a magic anything. But you'll have hope and you'll have peace in your life. Jesus says that you'll one day spend an eternity, eternity with me in heaven. We get to spend the rest of our lives with our creator. So if everyone just bow their head today. I pray, Father God, over all of my brothers and sisters that are in this room, Jesus, I pray that, that you give us the courage. Give us the strength to stand on our purpose and stand on our why, to win some to you. God, I pray that you break our hearts for the people that are around us, that are lost and lonely. And break our hearts for them to want to tell them about Jesus. And Father, if there's anybody that's in this room that has any questions or is doubting God, I pray that they just ask you. I pray that they surrender their lives to you everything to you, Father. We love you, God. We thank you that you have made a way. Made a way for us to have a right relationship with you through Jesus on the cross. God, thank you for saving me from my sin. God, I thank you for every time I fall, you picking me up and dusting me off. pointing me to the cross of Jesus Christ. You're a good, good Father, a loving Father. I thank you. In your holy and precious name, I pray. Amen.